Welcome to episode 17 of All Car Radio, the All Car Leasing Podcast. Um, we've got something a little bit different for everyone today. So we are counting down the top 25 racing games of all time. A list curated by my good friend Chris here. Mm, hello. Um, and obviously it's myself, Ronnie the host, and in the shadows is uh, our producer Ross as usual. Um, we haven't really got much news uh, before the episode starts today, other than some bonkers deals that Chris is going to... Um, Mentioned at the end of the feature, uh, we're, we've also completely forgot to do the um, listeners' questions. So thanks everyone for sending the questions. We, we we did get them, we just forgot to cover them. So it's going to be a bit of a bumper one at the end of the feature. But but thanks to everyone who has sent the questions. We are listening. We did receive them. We will answer the ones that aren't rude. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, with uh, without a further ado. Uh, we may as well just get into the feature, and I'll hand over to Chris to introduce, because obviously this is his work. Um, obviously, if you don't want to listen to this and you'd rather read it in the comfort of your own home or whatever, the, there is a, obviously a full blog post that accompanies in it. Anyway, Chris, if you'd like to tell us exactly what's yeah, in store. So, as you can probably tell by the title, this episode's going to be on the best racing games of all time, or driving games, if you want to extend that. Uh, so, while well, Leasing Cars is our game of choice, we also have a huge love for driving games, uh, especially me. In this podcast, we're going to look at some of the best racing games of all time as rated by Metacritic, so it's not just our own opinion. Um, but if you're looking for a game that focuses more on the customization of your car, we've also got another, I think we've done another podcast on that, have we, or is it a blog post? I think it's a very long blog post. Mm, yeah. Um, so be sure to check that out if you're, if you're looking for a new game. Um, but thousands of racing games have been made over the past few decades as Popularity began to shift from sort of arcade cabinets to, you know, PlayStation One and then Nintendo sixty four that type of thing, yeah. uh, and now there's there's absolutely tons to choose from. So there's something for everyone's appetite, but they're not all the same, and some of the newest games aren't necessarily the the best ones. No, because um, I did um, a, the blog post on classic racing games of all time, uh, which looked like old ones. Mm. I think nineties were, were, were the latest ones, and racing games have been out, uh, you know around for as long as video games and they've always been extremely popular mm. um, it was heavily arcade cabinet style games back then wasn't it yeah uh, run. yeah and a lot of them were the ones where you actually had your steering wheel mm. and then when home consoles became popular people added more racing games but i would probably say that modern days starting with well, i don't want to really name the game now because i don't want to spoiler um but there was a particular game where i think um racing games took a serious turn and then it wasn't just people wanted a bit more than just Mario Kart. Mm. They wanted to race real cars on real tracks. Um, I, think I, know, I think I know which game you're hinting at there. <coughs> yeah, so I don't, yeah, let, let's not get into that one because we will get into that in a bit. Anyway, if you want to start, start us off with number 25. So number 25 is Colin McRae Rally 2.0. Now, um, I don't know if it was this game I played specifically, but I think this is one of the first games or racing games I ever encountered back as a kid. Yeah. Because uh, my parents bought me a PS1 and I had one driving game. Obviously, I had like, the likes of Spyro and stuff like that, but I do remember a rally game. I remember the graphics being quite similar to this. Mm. Um, but the whole <coughs> series in general now of Colin McRae, I think, lives in the shadow of the Dirt Rally franchise. Well, obviously, one of the Colin McRae was, was no longer with us. Obviously, it's difficult to keep the brand going as strong as it used to be because of the you know the, the tra- tragic accident, um, Colin McRae Rally 2.0 in, in my opinion, uh, just the first one changed everything in terms of rally cars, uh, rally uh, games, and brought them way more mainstream. And I know there were 
Oh, the rally games before it, V Rally and Sega Rally, in particular, the, those are quite arcadey. But Colin McRae was maybe what kickstarted console rally games. The first Colin McRae was phenomenal, and the sequel just took what was good about the first one and just made it better. And deserves its place. Hard games, really. The, the, the dedicated rally games are way harder than games that just have a rally mode. And I think it's because the tracks are so thin. I think it's because they're able. the developers are able to... Because it's only a rally game, the developers can make put more of an effort into the uh, way that a, a, the rally car feels. Yeah. And obviously the dynamics of <coughs> the, the dirt, for yeah, example. Yeah, terrain you're on, if you're on snow, you slide <coughs> over the place. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, so the next one is Forza Motorsport 2 which is probably the, the racing game I've spent the most amount of hours on, certainly over my lifetime anyway. Because um, back when I got my Xbox 360, this was the game that was sold with a lot of consoles. Mm. I personally think that's what made the Forza <coughs> series so popular. Yeah, and with it being an exclusive to the Xbox, and obviously Gran Turismo being the exclusive to, the, to Sony, um, <coughs> it was essentially Microsoft's attempt at doing the Gran Turismo, and they did it really well. Pretty much, yeah. It's, it's one of Microsoft's headline <coughs> titles now, isn't it? Yeah, still yeah. going to this day, and they've just expanded into the Horizon series, which we'll get into later on. Yeah, and it's definitely not the only Forza game mm. in this list. But it was, even though it was released so long ago, there was a massive amount of cars and tracks. It was like 350 cars plus some DLC, um, on like 47 race tracks, different variations. Yeah, and I think it was the car customizer as well, like the, the paint editor it was phenomenal for a game that old. Which is <coughs> uh, funny because we've got a, a blog post on the best car customization games. As yeah. well, if anyone wants to check out that. And uh, just I want to touch on something as well. That um, the meta score for Colin McRae Rally 2.0 was 990. Uh, Forza Motorsport 2 was also 90. And this is like an average across... Yeah, so the meta score is based off of critic reviews. Yeah. And then there's another one, which is user score, which is user reviews. But it's a bit of a misleading one, as you'll see right at the end. Yeah, and the thing about having a meta score of 90 and being placed 25th, I mean, like if you're placed 25th, it doesn't sound like it's a great game, mm. but it's scored 90 out of 100. Every single one of these games in this list is 90 or above, mm. which means that you're, if you're into driving, you are probably going to enjoy every single one of these games. Yeah, None of them are poor. Anyway, what's next? So the next one is Grid Autosport, but that's the one for mobile. Yep. So I was surprised to see a mobile game up there. But then again, mobile gaming is one of the, the biggest markets. So Yeah, and mobiles are not weak computers anymore. No, that's true. Um, this one was released in 2017, so it wasn't like it was just released when the iPod Touch came out and everyone was you know, obsessing over the App Store. And the thing about Grid Autosport uh, ranking on 23rd, it's only been released in 2017 and it's already in the top 25. Yeah. We should say an awful lot about the quality of that game to be scored so highly in a... In a well, it's, there's a lot of entrance in, in the racing category. So to make a game now to get into the twenty you know top 25, very hard. Mm. And that should say how good that game is. Grid's always been on the more arcade side of things, which makes sense on a mobile, really, because I personally wouldn't want to play like a simulation game on a mobile. Mm. I suppose it doesn't really... Takes away from the experience, I guess. But Grid's always been a bit more of a slippery handling need for speed, mm. in my opinion. But they'll put you on simulation-style racetracks. So I yeah. suppose that's the difference. It's like fun you can have without the monotony of going round and round and round a circuit. Um, so the next one is Burnout Revenge. So that was in 2005. Um, I think this is the one I played, actually. I've not played a whole lot of the Burnout series, but everyone knows of the Burnout series. Yeah, I've played a few of the Burnout games, and they're different. Because it's 
it is a racing game, but it's because of the crashes and the intensity and the. It is realistic, but it's. I think it's the most mindless fun you can have in a, a car game. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's just all out fun, yeah. non-stop, just action. But if you're into realism and all the rest of it, oh, actually, it is quite realistic. But if you're into real cars and tracks and like starting positions and tuning, this ain't it. No. But still, Metascore ninety. There wasn't a whole lot of variety on there as well. I've got seventy-seven cars in total, mm. which. Uh... I think the first Gran Turismo game had a bit more than that. And that was in 2005, yeah. though. So, to be fair, not long after, but... Great games. Yeah. I mean, any any of the Burnout games could have entered here. Burnout 3, I would have guessed. Paradise. Uh, Paradise in particular. I think Paradise is the one that people are going to remember. But it wasn't necessarily the best one. But I don't think Burnout Paradise is on this list. And I'm pretty sure the reason for that is Burnout Paradise became something that Burnout Revenge wasn't. It became a quite a bloated game that had missions, exploration, stuff like that. Whereas with Burnout Revenge and other Burnouts, it was all about it like, was simple, pre-planned and stuff like mm. that. This is what you need to do, score as many points as possible. I think Burnout Paradise just lost a little bit of the arcade mm. stuff and tried to cater maybe for more of the um, Grand Theft Auto audience. But That's true, yeah. Anyway, so Burnout had a Metascore of 90. Um, this is the case with a lot of the ones that rank in the high 20s mm. um, moving on the next one is Trials Evolution uh, that was released in 2012 the Trials series I first played it on Xbox when it was released on the arcade store so you could get it for like I think it was like £5 £12 something like that yeah. dead cheap everyone could pick it up and uh, it's more of a time attack style game obviously it's a motorcycle one so that's why it's more of a honourable mention rather than a hardcore driving game yeah. but in the same way that you could make your own little, um, I don't know, refer to them as courses, but you know the Mario games, you can make, there's an editor, you yeah, can make your yeah. own little platform thing. You could do that with trials. So everyone was trying out each other's tracks, yeah. um, trying to get the fastest score. And uh, it, it was just really, really, really enjoyable. I think since then, another trials game's come out. In number 20 is Project Gotham Racing 2. Released in 20, uh, 2003, sorry, uh, for the Xbox. And most people who... Our Xbox owners or fans will have heard about Project Gotham Racing because it was the original Xbox's version yeah, of Gran Turismo that we mentioned earlier that Forza is. Because mm. obviously PGR is not going anymore because pretty much Forza's replaced it. Mm. But Project Gotham well, 2 and on 1 kicked off Xbox's serious attempt at making driving games, racing games. And they did it quite well. The critics seemed to really... Love it. The fans really loved it, yeah. and yeah, it uh, it's got it's a bit of a cult classic. Going back to it now, as well, it, it was one of the poster boy games of the original Xbox. Yeah, we just don't really hear it anymore. <laughs> Number nineteen is the first entry in the Mario Kart series, uh, which had to be in this list. It's Mario Kart DS, and you think, well, you know, the SNES version or the GameCube version or you know the actual home console. Surely they're better, but but really, DS version was a perfect game because it was it, cap- it captured the classic uh, America graphics and gameplay, but it was on the DS, which was a runaway success of a console, mm. so you could now play Mario Kart in 3D for the first time, like ever. Anywhere because, as well. Because Mario Kart on the Game Boy Advance wasn't, was still, it was 2D, whereas DS came around and just changed everything. Suddenly, it was like proper Mario Kart, mm. anywhere you want. Obviously, you can now play it on the Switch and stuff, and on all the rest of it, and uh, the 3DS. 
But the Mario Kart DS was the first proper one and one of the best-selling games of all time for the DS. And that says a lot, considering you know it's a, it's a DS title. Oh, it's been going for so long. I don't think uh, handheld gaming is going anywhere, by the, by the looks of things. Nope. So the next one is Forza Motorsport 4. Um, I think the release of that one was when they partnered up with Top Gear... That was a big, a big corporation, really, for for the gaming industry. I yeah. think such a big well, pub, publication or whatever. Um, but the racing game segment was already quite oversaturated by 2011 when it was released. So it, it was a bit like, well, nothing new. So what could we do? Oh well, let's get Top Gear. So they had this Auto Vista feature where a Top Gear host would talk you through the features of a car, a bit like a showroom type thing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, came with that like loads of new track, loads of new cars, but graphics. The graphics is the next thing, really, that they start to focus on in the series. Mm. Forza Motorsport 3 had better graphics than 2. Obviously, 4 is going to have even better than 3. But it, you began to notice it less between 5 and 6. The thing about the Forza series is uh, they don't make... Ba- that isn't a bad one. They just keep getting better and better. Yeah. Um, but what I'd say is that they, they're always good, but never number one. It's no. almost like a, always the bridesmaid, never the bride when it comes to Forza. It's an excellent game. But chances are, if you've got an Xbox and a PlayStation, you may not bother with Forza. Mm. And the style of it. I mean, hardcore simulation isn't for everyone, to be honest with you. It does get a bit boring and monotonous. Am I right in saying you can get Forza on the PC? Um, you can now. Uh, you can get Forza 7 on the PC and Forza Horizon yeah, right. and 3, I think, as well. Because eventually Microsoft let you download... Have you had an Xbox on PC? Because what I was going to say is, it falls at uh, Grand Turismo. You cannot get on the PC. That's true. Whereas Forza, you can. So there's more people that can play Forza than, than Grand Turismo. Uh, number seventeen is another iOS game, Asphalt Eight Airborne. And to be honest with you, I think if anyone's even just a little bit of a car fan, driving fan, games, they've probably played one or more of the Asphalt series because it's been going on for such a long time. This one in particular, in 2013, was one of the best Asphalt games. And even though they've done eight up mm. until this point, they really cracked it with this one and got a Metascore of 91, not far from being the perfect iOS racing game. Even though it was 2013, and obviously they're up to number eight in the series... This was just after, well, a couple of years after the iPod Touch and stuff like that got really popular. Yeah. That's when people were downloading loads of apps, and this must have just been one of the games that took off. The thing, the challenge with anyone that makes an iOS racing game is um, it's difficult to get your game in front of other people. They're, they're, it, it's easier to make a game for iOS, therefore there are more competition. So to make a game on iOS that stands out in my opinion, is actually harder than making one for console or PC. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was it was it was an incredible it is an incredible game. They're hard to stumble across because I think if you're looking for a racing game in the App Store, you're probably going to type in the name of a series you already know. Yeah, yeah. Need for Speed, for example. Anyway, moving on. Um, the next game is F1 Challenge '99 to '02. Yep, that is the title of the game. <laughs> a bit long-winded, but it came out in 2003. Yeah. So what happened was the ownership of um, the F1 license changed hands and EA actually owned the license up until 2002. Yeah. So while they were developing it like, in the late part of well, in the 2000s, they, they couldn't have anything new in. So they made like a big package of all the old content they had and they had the, the, like, the rights to and just made it into a game. And turns out it was actually quite a good game. 
Yeah, and it's, in my opinion, it's quite tough making a good Formula 1 game because I find Formula 1 to be a little bit on the boring side. Same, to be fair. Because um, all you do is you watch them go round and round the track for hours and hours and then they may just end up overtaking once and that's it. Mm. Um, so to make an F1 game with a Metascore of 91 is quite an achievement from Electronic Arts who aren't exactly you know, in gamers' good books mm. in general. Um, and it was, but at that time, it, loot boxes and, pe- and DLC weren't wasn't really about no. back then. So it was just about the game as it is. That was just it. Still lived with the Sims, that didn't it? Really, yeah. Transactions. Uh, number fifteen is another iOS game uh, from 2012, Reckless Racing Two. And is this the one that is like uh, the Micro Machines game? Yeah, it's quite similar, but obviously it's on iOS rather than. Well, what was Microsoft Machines back on in the day? Was it PS1? Yeah. Yeah. So a similar style, uh, that sort of top-down view. Um, I thought it was a really great and fun game, but lacked a lot of replay value. Mm. Um, But if you're commuting on a bus or a train or something like that, I think Reckless Racing 2 is, is, is one of the best that you could do. Main because it, it, it doesn't take itself seriously, that's that's the point. You had to pay for this one. It was only like pound fifty or something like that. But compared to a lot of the other games, most of them were just free. Just had loads of adverts on there. Yep. Number 14 is one of my favourite games of all time. And I can't believe it's not higher. But then again, it has scored 92, which isn't exactly low. It's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the Switch version, or Switch port, from the Wii U. All it is is it's all the DLCs just included in it. It's every Mario Kart game is exactly the same as it was before with a bit of polish, maybe one or two new characters, maybe one new weapon. Uh, but Mario Kart 8 Deluxe are practically every course ever made. It had loads of features and the online play was up there. It was the servers a, were fantastic. It was a re-release, wasn't it? So yeah. it came, when it came out for the Switch, it just came out as the Deluxe version. Which was the normal version plus all the DLC, so it's a pretty good deal. It is a brilliant game, but it is just Mario Kart. So if you've never liked Mario Kart, you're not going to like this one either. It's not realistic, but it is extremely fun. And I hope that a lot of people don't avoid the game just because they think it's for kids. Hmm. It is actually really hard. And if you play it online, competitively, really hard. Um, 13 is another Forza Motorsport, so we mentioned 4 earlier. Now it's three, which was slightly higher ranked uh, than four. Um, I think it's because of the saturation thing I mentioned before. Yeah. Like, by the time four came out, there were just so many racing games that nothing was just new anymore. Yeah, we may as well just skip quickly through this from 13 to 12, because 12... Is Forza Motorsport the original one, (laughs) 2005. (laughs) This is the first in the series, whereas the Gran Turismo series started quite a few years before. So as we mentioned before about Project Gotham Racing, this is what came next type of thing, like the spiritual successor in a way. And who's 11th? 11th is Forza Horizon 4. So another but, well, this game. is Horizon, so there is a bit of a difference. Yes, it's the more arcade element of Forza, the Forza series, which I think, to be fair, is where it should belong now. Like, I've played all the Horizon games, and they are, they are fantastic. Mm. Is it, it reminds me of what Need for Speed Underground 2 was back in the day. Great soundtrack, mm. loads of customization. And it's on the streets. Yeah, and yeah, for me, the Forza series is the graphics, um, especially the backgrounds. Yeah. Like, um, where you drive is a little bit more important in Forza than it is in some of the others. Yeah. Horizon, uh, Horizon 4, <coughs> uh, which is the latest one, that's set in the UK, or like an amalgamation of the Lake District <coughs> Scotland. 
whereas the other ones were set in the Australian Outback. And this one was released in 2018, and as we mentioned before, in a, in a neat, in a gaming niche that is quite old. To make a game in 2018 and to now have a score of uh, 92 and be 11th in our list is no mean feat. To make a game now that is regarded as a classic in, in, a, in, a, in the racing niche is quite hard. I think in the future, the Horizon series is probably going to be remembered by a lot of kids growing up. Yeah. The same way that like, Colin McRae was for maybe us. Um, they have a lot of like, ridiculous partnerships as well. In Horizon 3, they partnered up with Hot Wheels to make a Hot Wheels DLC. And in Horizon 4, it's pretty much just been released, uh, is the Lego expansion. Yeah. But obviously, there's You've that... You've got to do something different, haven't you? Yeah, but there's that Microsoft Lego kind of partnership. Obviously, there's the Lego Star Wars games. Maybe there's never really been a proper Lego racing game. Maybe they wanted to put that in there. Not a high-profile one, anyway. Now down to the top 10. And the 10th is, in my opinion, one of the most difficult game, racing game, ever. And it's Wipeout 2097 slash XL, all the way back in 1996 on the original PS1. It's not the first Wipeout, it's, it's the sequel. Um, but it was pray, it was incredible because it was a bit like F-Zero on the SNES, where it was spaceships, more or less. Mm. Uh, there were no wheels touching the floor, uh, and it was blistering speed. Incredible corners and soundtrack. I think. Yeah, I think it was known for having a great soundtrack. Yeah, because Wipeout was pre Gran Turismo, which was known somewhat for having a soundtrack. Mm. Wipeout had a proper soundtrack with like Chemical Brothers, Prodigy, Underworld, Big proper nineties. Yeah, um, and yeah, it was difficult, different, hard, fast, and. Great art style. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. Especially with the design of the, all the cars as well. It was like something out of Star Wars. And the Wipeout series is still going. It's not in your face anymore. Uh, and there is like a, a, a HD remaster. Um, I don't know if you could call it a remaster. More of a remake of the originals. So, I, But it's more or less the same. But I think the reason why, why one of the most early Wipeouts is in the list and not the early ones was what more can you do? that Wipeout 2097 have done other than improve the graphics. Mm. Not much. Um, anyway, who's number nine? Uh, so number nine is Test Drive Le Mans in 2000. So this was pretty much one of the competitors to the F1 Challenge game we mentioned before. So it came out mm, just in the midst of it. Um, Test Drive Le Mans was the 10th game in the Test Drive series. So even though it's called Test Drive Le Mans, I, I first didn't recognise, oh yeah, it's Test Drive. The same people behind Test Drive Unlimited. Yep. Because uh, I played a lot of Test Drive Unlimited too, um, but the series has sort of died off. Really, didn't really return since 2012. And uh, this game was released with the Dreamcast, which wasn't inundated with racing games at the time. And to be fair, <coughs> being a Dreamcast owner myself, it probably was one of the contributing factors to it dying off because it was a short-lived console. Sadly, mm. it was a big game though, um, <coughs> but it was mainly raced around, well, based around big long races like. Well, Le Mans, obviously, it's namesake. But then uh, other things like Donington Park, Road Atlanta and Suzuka. It was just a hardcore simulation game for its time. Number eight is Mario Kart Super Circuit. And this one was on the Game Boy Advance. We mentioned the DS version earlier. But Super Circuit scored slightly higher than it. Um, there's not much to say other than they've just made another great Mario Kart game. And that is pretty much the same story. They really haven't changed much. But Nintendo have realised... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just polish it, and Same. they just keep polishing it. Same, but different each time. But the Game Boy Advance itself was a great console, or a well-handled console, 
because uh, obviously the, the one before us came by colour, and then the advance was a lot more powerful than the colour. It could do more, and obviously it was handheld consoles were a bit more robust mm. and a bit more handheld because it was the game advance was quite small. So to be able to play uh, a Maraca game on a screen of the size of the game advance, which was tiny to be fair, and so was memory back then as well, like storage space. So to fit a game of that size actually on a handheld cartridge, it's quite impressive. Yeah, Game Advance. I think it, the reason, one of the reasons why <coughs> it's got particularly high, which is ninety three, was because the Game Boy Advance's multiplayer features were far superior to the Game Boy Colors, whereas you could only play a two player, but the Game Boy Advance could play in four player. Mm. And with it being a fairly affordable um, handheld console, I think a lot of people did take advantage of the multiplayer uh, stuff. So instead of playing just against seven. AI, you're now playing against four real people and four AI instead. Mm. Um, number seven, and perhaps this is where the list really gets serious, and I'm surprised that it's only number seven, it's Gran Turismo 2, a game that I absolutely hammered on the PS1. I thought it did everything in the, the first Gran Turismo and just did more, mm. did more of it. The amount of cars, I think it quadrupled in the number of cars. Tracks improved, the graphics improved, the soundtrack improved. Um, the level of detail in the car, the amount of things that you could do to tune the car was absolutely unheard of. The actual game's back then. engine stayed the same. Yeah. It was only made a year after the first one. Which is yeah. bonkers, really, because nowadays there's like a two year gap between them. Every Forza yeah. game's got like a two or three year gap. It was a, Grand Turismo 2 is a phenomenal game, but it didn't do that much uh, different over Grand Turismo 1. It was almost like a bit of an expansion pack, yeah. if anything, or DLC. Um, you just get it if you just wanted the latest in the series. Yeah, and who is sixth? So sixth is Real Racing Two, which is another iOS game. Um, it was released back in 2010, but it's uh, one of EA's mobile games. Yeah, which now holds the license to the title anyway. It was developed by Feynman Games, an independent firm. Um, but I think the game's rise to popularity was similar to Reckless Racing that we mentioned before, yeah. the Asphalt series. They were all released right as the mobile game market kind of erupted thanks to smartphones because um, it was released in 2010 uh, so possibly three years before Re- uh, Reckless Racing 2 or the Asphalt game yeah. um, this game had 30 cars to choose from uh, but the circuits themselves were purely fictional so even though given the namesake Real Racing uh, they weren't on like the Nürburgring or anything like that somewhat Real Racing yeah somewhat Real <laughs> Um, but mobile games are really for everyone, which is why it's surprising to see it at sixth place, which is really high up. And I just got 94. Yeah. Which um, is incredible. But as smartphones got better and better, the graphics got even better, it just makes sense. And even now companies are just starting to make their own phones as well, like Razer, for example. They've just released a gaming phone. Maybe we'll just see more of games like this. In number five is one of my favourite games of all time, not just driving games or racing games. Burnout 3 Takedown mm. and the absolute pinnacle of the Burnout series. Um, despite restricting the ability to customize your car and create a realistic handling experience, um, a lot of people hailed uh, Burnout 3 as one of the best driving games of all time, not just crashing games, racing games, but driving games full stop. It looked amazing. The soundtrack really stepped up on actual Burnout 3 uh, and the gameplay in particular, and they added uh, le- uh, new modes that were added on top meant that it was just the, the perfect sequel. The soundtrack was so much more modern as well, because they used to make their own soundtracks, like a lot of developers back then did as well. Um, but they would have stuff like Rise Against, uh, Fallout Boy, you know, big names in, in the rock music scene. Yeah. Sadly, though, 
they've not been able to replicate burnout takedown. Mm. And, and with a score of 94, I'm not sure if they ever will either. The only thing we're really seeing is games just inspired heavily by burnout. Yeah, it's weird though, because not many people have tried to make a gimmick or, or a copycat. Maybe EA, probably they were driven by sales. It may have reviewed quite well, but if it doesn't make EA money... Yeah, they'll act they, it. They just don't want to make any more. Yeah. Um, so the next one, Jet Car Stunts, another <laughs> iOS game. A great game yeah. as well. This also came out on PC, but it wasn't as big on there, obviously, as people looking for it on a PC rather than smartphones, but it was out in 2009. Um, only six critics rated this game, so it might be a bit of a undeserved position. Obviously, it's got a Metascore of 94, so they've all rated it quite high. Um, but half of them gave it 100 out of 100, and a dub Jet Car Stunts as one of the most addicting games on mobile. Uh, probably from its simplicity, but as I mentioned before, smartphone craze. So that's, that's why it gets yeah, so right in the middle of the smartphone craze. Released in 2009, funnily enough, iPhone craze. Number three's Need for Speed Shift, also released the same year, got the same score. And this is funny, this, because this is the highest rated Need for Speed game, yeah. which has been around for God knows how Bonkers, many years. Like, yeah, and it's the years. iOS one that has been the best received by EA. Makes um, no sense, really, does it? I, I I was expecting Need for Speed Underground 2 to at least make an appearance, or Carbon, or, or whatever, or the console version of Shift. Yeah. But the iOS version, ridiculous. Right, Silver Medal. No surprises on the next two, to be honest with you. But maybe some people are confused about which order they would come in. Uh, number two is Gran Turismo 3 on the PS2. And I remember the hype of this game... Because the jump in graphics from the PS2 to the P- uh, sorry from the PS1 to the PS2 wasn't slight; it was enormous. Gran Turismo One uh, and Two were very pixelated in comparison, and then all of a sudden, it was smooth. Mm. And, I, and I mean, I know if you look at it now, it looks dreadful, but at the time, it was mind blowing. Rounded edges were just a, a completely new thing to games like that, weren't they? The realism, which is the tagline of uh, the real driving simulator, is the tagline of the series had reached its peak. There was no game anywhere close to Gran Turismo 3 in terms of presentation. Uh, but they also brought in a lot of what uh, 2 and 1 did with, you could still tune your cars, there were still the licenses, loads of different tracks and stuff like that. Even However, the one criticism I've got for Gran Turismo 3 is it had less cars than Gran Turismo 2. It feels like a step backwards really, doesn't it? But yeah. Um, so the game itself was obviously phenomenal and scored 95 um, but I think the the points it dropped were if only it had the same amount of cars and, and as two. But I don't. It's justified the space it? on the yeah. disc. Justified by better graphics. And here's another fact: not only is it one of the best driving games of all time, it was also one of the best selling video games of all time. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the sales are smudged a little bit just because it came with. A lot of the consoles, which technically counts as a sale, yeah. But it, re- I don't remember if a lot of the listeners remember the PS2 being re- announced. It was, we were in the future. We were literally, like, it was mind blowing what this console could do. Um, and Gran Turismo 3 was like the flagship game to show off what it could do. And its competitor was Project Gotham Racing for the Xbox. Mm. Um, and it, although Project Gotham Race, uh, Racing looked great. It didn't have the real cars, the number of cars, the number of tracks. So, Gran Turismo 3 was simply, it had no competition. 
because a lot of people didn't even bother. Whereas, if you look at the more modern Gran Turismo games, Gran Turismo 4 and above are not in this list because all of a sudden there are other games to compare it with. Yeah, much more saturation. Yeah. Um, now, if you look, Forza, um, highlighted in the series, well, there were Gran- newer Gran Turismo games at the time, but they're not in the list. But at the time, Gran Turismo were the kings. Nobody n- could compete with them. And, Chris? Number one. Number one. gold medal is the first Gran Turismo, the very first, released in 1998. Yeah. Uh, so, another better score of 96, because a lot of them do at this point, but this one had more critics review it. Obviously, it was a big game for the time. Like, this it was, was unheard of. This was the next generation of games, which is why it's well-deserved to be number one. Um, if it's re- amazing how they managed to get Gran Turismo to work on a PS1, mm. quite frankly, because it wasn't just the graphics. It was just how much was in there that realism was unheard of, unparalleled. Sony wanted to really make a mark and say the PS1 is the best console on earth. Mm. And here's why. Just play Gran Turismo. Then go and try the other consoles, which at the time were... the Not the Dreamcast. Um, Sega Saturn. Uh, there was no Xbox. No original Xbox. No, that's true. Was uh, the GameCube out? out no, the GameCube was a PS3 competitor, or maybe two. But anyway, Gran Turismo did something for the first time. That's why it's high, rated so highly. Um, games that try something for the first time and succeed get rated higher because it's easier to praise it. Yeah. Because you can say, oh, well, this game's good, but this other game should play this instead. When Gran Turismo released, it was so good, you couldn't. there was no other game to play. That was anywhere near this. This was the this set the benchmark. I wonder if they knew that it would take off so much. Because like Gran Turismo series is one of the longest standing racing game series of all time now. Yeah. Next to like Need for Speed. Need for Speed's also had an absolute ton of games. I think they knew. I think they uh, they knew because they put that much of an effort into it. There was no doubt that it would do quite well. It was just obvious. The game was incredible for its time, and what it did for the racing genre is all the other games that we've mentioned past 1998, especially the ones with the realism added on, they're forever grateful for Gran Turismo. Mm. And that really does conclude our wrist of 25. Uh, Obviously, head on over to the blog if you want to read a little bit more of a detailed analysis of each game, and if you just want to scroll past it a bit quicker, just to see some of the screenshots that we've placed, which is a jockey memory. There's also um, a list at the bottom based on user score, but obviously Metascore is the more uh, concrete unit of measurement to, to do this list. Yeah, um, the reason why we've gone for Metacritic as the, as the number one is, these people are professional critics. They get paid to be critical of games, uh, whereas I think users may... Uh, vote somewhat with their hearts yeah. maybe not much with their heads and they won't have played as many games as a reference point uh, for example I I think certain games are good because I'm a fan of that series mm. but that's a bit of a biased approach whereas Metacritic I feel is unbiased and anyway that, that's why we've done it if you wanted a glimpse of what would be the number one user score game it's Burnout 3 Takedown yeah. which obviously you are quite passionate about before yeah and some of the games on the users so, so if you did wonder what users liked that is are completely absent, and I agree with a lot of these. So, Crash Team Racing Great is it game. a scandal that that game isn't in the Metacritic list? Need for Speed Most Wanted, Definitely Midnight belongs. Club Three, Downhill Domination, Roll Cage Day Two, NASCAR 07, Race 07, Trackmania United, Street Racing Syndicate, Tokyo Extreme Racer Zero, MX Unleashed, Road Trip, 
Metropolis Street, uh, Street Racer, Shrek, <laughs> Swamp Cat Speedway, <laughs> NASCAR Dirt to Daytona, and Outrun 2. I, I think Outrun 2 should probably have been in this, but the critics didn't think Outrun definitely it. belongs to be in there. But well, the thing about Outrun is it's iconic, but it is one-dimensional. Yeah, it's true. You can only do one thing. But but the user list is pr- pretty much completely different yeah, but the, the critic list. But the re- big reason, <laughs> I don't know if it stuck out to you, Shrek, Swamp Car Speedway. Yeah, yeah and um, Star Wars Episode 1 Pod Racer yeah. is also missing. They've just been put there just because it's been like, vote-brigaded. Obviously, Shrek is just yeah. a big meme, so... Anyway, that is uh, the end of our feature. If you know, give us a comment on send us, send us a, an email if uh, there's a game we didn't mention that you think is there, or if you disagree with the list completely, or if you want us to, to take a look at a different sort of list, top lists. We do have one in the pipeline for what our next podcast or possibly the podcast of that. It's another top twenty-five list. We'll keep a secret for now to keep obviously people subscribed. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening to that feature. Our next feature is the absent Q and A session or read the letters. Um, so let's get started with them. Question number one comes from Sebastian from Norwich, and he says, "Where's Elon?" Well, he has still hasn't replied to my tweet, so we can definitely say that he's not going to be on the show. But we don't have a date as of yet. I will tweet him again and see if he's interested to talk about Tesla and some other things. But thanks for the question. Our next question is from Terry from Altingham, and he asks, <coughs> "When are you going to have a deal on the CLA?" Now, I'm not going to answer that question specifically because it would be a bit pointless to answer a specific car. But it does. Uh, it is a good question because it, it's like, well, if someone's looking at the website and the car that they're after isn't on offer, they're right to say, well, why have you got a deal on this, that and the other, but not this for the car that I really want? And I suppose the best answer I've got from that is to listen to our podcast um, called, what was it called? Um, Behind the Curtain, which looks at the car leasing industry behind the scenes. And I think that podcast itself probably answers that question a lot better than what I could do here. But in short, we are pretty much dictated by the deals that we're given by the finance companies and the dealers and all the rest of it. So it just changes all the time. But we don't, we can't really just have a deal on absolutely everything all at once. They've got to be pretty much on offer first for us to have the deal. So Brian from Rochdale asks, which is the most popular podcast? And to answer that, it is the Leasing Myths one. I think it's just because it's so handy and a lot of people are new to leasing so it's a good one to uh, listen to as a resource so David from Alicante asks who else are you going to get on the podcast anyone else from the company um, it is in the plan to get, to get someone on from maybe the sales team just to share their experience but it's one of the busiest times in the year for the most trades so we're a bit snowed under at the moment yeah and to be honest um, a lot of people don't I'm confident enough to put their voice on the podcast. And to be honest, when we first started this, we were all a bit nervous about the prospect of other people listening to our voices and judging us. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons why producer Ross prefers to be in the shadows. Uh, but, but yeah, t- taking people away from dealing with customers to sit down to a podcast is in the plan if it gets a bit quieter. And to be honest, Christmas period maybe, when when things die, die down a little bit, maybe that will be a good time to get them in. Because one of my plans was to get one of the account managers in as a bit of an interview uh, like the, the day in the life of an account manager and I think a lot of customers uh, and listeners would be interested to, to listen to that one because a lot of our popular podcasts have been about like how things work um, for example that podcast we did about uh, Behind the Curtain was one of the most popular episodes ever um, so yeah we, de- we definitely have plans to do it um, but we, we, we want to get Elon in first our last question comes from Ken from Anglesey hi Ken 
nice place. That's where I'm from. Um, and the question is, some of your blog posts are absolutely enormous. How long does it take you to write all these blog posts? Um, it's a difficult question to answer because they all take a bit longer. But we don't block off entire days working on blogs. Typically, we will have a subject that we've got in mind and we'll usually write them over a course of weeks and chip away at it because writing blogs and doing the podcast is not actually our main role here. It's actually a bit of a, of, a, of a bonus, a bit of an extra. So our blog posts take quite a long time. It's a bit of a queue. So we already know what the next three posts and podcasts are going to be. And we just chip away at it once we've dealt with the prices, uh, maybe fixed bugs on the, on the website. They always take priority. And once we look around and think, oh, do you know what? We're up to date with prices. We know where we're at. I've got our spare half hour. I'll keep cracking on, yeah. crack on with that. And that is the end of the of the reader question section and obviously the main feature as well. So as usual, I'm going to hand the podcast over to Chris, who's going to run down the deals of well, the week or the month, whatever, the best deals that we've got right now. And let me tell you, if you're a fan of a, German, a specific German hatchback, you are going to be thrilled. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. That's it for me, Ronnie, the host. So here is Chris with the deals. Okay, so that popular German hatchback is the Mercedes A-Class. Um, it's not just one in specific. We've got quite a few across the range on offer now. And uh, I've been here for just over two years now. I think this is one of the best deals I've seen in my lifetime here, actually. Um, the range kicks off with the m 80 d AMG line Auto, which, these are personal prices, is from 208.99 a month, which is really dirt cheap for an A-Class, to be fair. Um, then there's the A200D, if you want a bit more power, from 221 a month. And then kicking up a bit, if you want the nice extended screens, which is a big selling point of the new A-Class, um, we've got an A200D with the exact pack for £236.83 a month. And then there's a couple more across the range as well with different engines. And if you go even further up the range, we actually have an A35 Premium Plus on the website for £401 a month. Um, obviously, you can get the standard A35 a little bit cheaper than that, but the Prem Plus, you'll get a nice panoramic roof and all the trimmings. But, yeah, definitely keep an eye out on the A-Class deals this week. Uh, I'm going to leave some links in the description below so you can check them out yourself. But thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one.